You can't keep using tools of oppression and expect to raise free people. I did an Insta story at the beginning of this week about leaving the house to be with my feelings so that I didn't hurl those feelings at my kid. I started talking a little bit about how any relationship, all relationships perhaps, at some point will call for one person in a relationship among two people to stand up and say, Yo, what you're doing feels really fucked up or is really fucked up and I'm not okay with it. You know, all relationships go off kilter. There'll always need to be some level of recalibrating, adjusting for somebody's current needs or an unexpected irritation or, you know, just communication differences in styles. It's no different when you talk about a parent and a child. But what has certainly been different is our approach to it conventionally. You know, I think that the pressures and the absurdity of the capitalistic society that we live in and the things in front of us that are not even real, but that we pursue as though they're real, the pressures and the madness of that certainly impacts the way that we raise children as a society. The pressure that we now put on children to be extensions of our performance, you know, to carry on what we didn't finish, to accomplish the things that we couldn't accomplish or the people before us couldn't accomplish. That has become the focus and we've drifted away from protecting and honoring childhood and the rituals of childhood like play and self-organizing and exploration that leads to projects. (laughs) And those projects look different when you're three than when you are, say, 17, but the same premise exists. It's the same underlying premise of getting to know self and community, not in a space that is simulated or contrived like a classroom setting or school at home but one that really emerges from the natural rhythm of people together and people together in a particular community, a community that has certain resources, like you're on an island. And some of the resources from my childhood were trees. We spent a lot of time in trees, so we tended to know a lot about different fruits and different trees. (laughs) So our curriculum was in part determined by our environment. And then school was also a part of our curriculum and our environment, but it doesn't have to be. Let me tell it, it's actually not the best way. So you will always be part of an environment and your environment will always be inclusive of several factors, things that you do with your time, things that the people around you do, things that are important to the society that you're part of. So that's how come in unschooling, for example, we don't force reading because we see the ways that it'll show up in a child's life. And this podcast alone, starting from episode one with Tamika Middleton, you get examples of how that happens organically. And so all these different aspects of the way we've been trained to deal with children in particular has shifted. 
for me, when I was sharing those Insta stories on Monday, part of that was me being with my learned way of dealing with what feels like a disruption or disrespect. I was dealing with that by giving myself space to observe my reactionary self, you know, what I tend to do, how I feel right away and what I want to do about that feeling. I gave myself the space to back away from that so that I didn't push those feelings onto my kid, but I gave myself time to process them. And that really felt important because a big part of the work is, of course, disrupting your normal pattern so that you can develop a practice that is more in alignment with your beliefs, you know, about how people communicate and what power structures look like, you being the person in the position of power, right? So much of parenting confines adults as well, certainly not in the same way that it confines and oppresses children. But it's important here because the way that it confines us causes us to not realize the sort of harm that we inflict on children. Part of that harm comes from the narrative that as a parent, you should always look like you have it all together. And a part of looking like you have it all together is not showing your real feelings. To put this performance, this predetermined perfection or image of having it together and right, to put that in the forefront because that is what you do as a responsible adult. To continue to do this work out loud, in addition to sharing those stories right in the middle of my feelings on Instagram, (laughs) was to also share this essay that I wrote Back in 2016, three reasons that I refused to hide my feelings for my daughters. In a recent podcast interview, acclaimed bad feminist Roxane Gay addressed the intersection of identities and how that connects to representation and progress in the feminist movement. She said, quote, I don't keep my identities in compartments. I am everything I am all at once, end quote. I have this conversation in relation to my blackness often because it is central to my identity and it informs the lens I bring to life. I am many things at the same time. Black, woman, immigrant, wife, daughter, sister, ally, writer, feminist, mother, That last identity, mother, brings up a less discussed issue when it comes to multiple identities, and that is the intersection of personhood and motherhood. I am somebody who became somebody's mother. My personhood, my rights, choices, and actions are now linked rather inextricably to that of two other people, my daughters. But all of those aspects of who I am sometimes cause friction in my life. Sometimes it feels like I'm not allowed to be multiple things at one time. And the disallowing party, surprising as it may sound, is sometimes my children. A couple weeks ago, I asked my daughters to do something. They said yes, but nearly 30 minutes later, it still wasn't done. I reminded them gave them space, then checked back about 20 minutes later to find the task still not done. I talked to them about it, expressing my concerns and listening to hear if there were any objections or things that I hadn't considered. 
One daughter was apologetic. The other was dismissive. She was curt and apathetic, and it boiled my freaking blood. (laughs) At 12 and 10 years old, my girls are still in the age range where society tells me that I should be presenting a polished version of myself to them. This version can get upset, but not so upset that she shows it. This version models appropriate behavior at all costs, and she does so with grace, as any good mother would do. This version is irrationally patient, because the only other option is to lose her shit and maybe even inflict physical punishment on her unruly child. Well, violence is never the best answer, but for me, patience isn't always the right answer either. Sometimes my daughters need to see me in my impatient space. Sometimes I can't plead for their understanding. I have to inspire that shit through raw emotion and honest, unfiltered, nonviolent expression. That's my personal truth. The reality is that any person I love, including my daughters, can deeply hurt my feelings. Does this mean that I hold my daughters to the same level of emotional accountability as my partner or my best friend? Nope. But it for damn sure doesn't mean that I morph into some feelingless version of myself because I'm a mother either. I refuse to hold myself accountable to some ridiculous standard of motherhood. And I refuse to see my daughters as people devoid of the capacity to use feelings and logic to decide how they want to be. They are not empty buckets made of impulses and giggles. And as such, I hold them accountable and I show them real life responses to their real life choices. As a matter of fact, I told three things to my dismissive daughter that day. Not exactly in these words, but very much so in this energy. First of all, being your mother doesn't make my human feelings magically disappear. If I feel disregarded, that affects my actions. And the fact that you once lived in my womb, it doesn't change that reality one bit. Secondly, you are not responsible for my feelings, but you certainly influence them. I expect influence to matter to you the same way you expect your feelings to matter to me. And thirdly, feel free to look at me like I've sprouted another head when I lose my shit, but don't expect me to always take the high road. (laughs) I make it a point to express myself and to consistently remind you of your right to express yourself too. We speak openly and honestly in our house, and when I raise my voice or walk out of a room, I'm not concerned with whatever that models for you in that moment. Why? Because I'm a person first and your mother second. I prioritize your full liberation and your emotional wellness. I even hold myself responsible for it, but not at the expense of myself. I know that you understand what this means because when we're in a good space emotionally, we talk about reactions, yours and mine, versus responses. And I make space for you to feel your feelings out loud too. I value you and respect you. And I expect the same thing back. I won't always get this parenting thing right. And there's no right or wrong way for you to be my daughter either. But as we continue to grow together and learn what each other needs in order to feel loved and respected, let's try not to put position, mother and daughter, over our shared humanity and feelings. I'm not always going to exhibit the best example of how to respond when my feelings get hurt. 
That's the reality. I know I influence my daughter's perspectives, but I'm nobody's perfect role model. Trying to be that would be irrational, and those efforts would be rooted in a bullshit expectation perpetuated by the pervasive influence of religious ideologies around morality and behavior. These notions see women as comfort and company for men and selfless nurturers of babies. Well, I am not always comforting, and I'm not interested in neglecting myself. Don't get me wrong. This is not a blame game piece about my daughter's actions causing me to lose my shit and raise my voice. Instead, this is me saying parents get to be imperfect, not violent or emotionally abusive, but human. And we get to speak up on our behalf, our own behalf, especially to the people we love most. Like most parents, I want to be good to my daughters. I prioritize their wellness and their liberation. I do my best not to weigh them down with my ideas of who they should be, and I don't think that their job is to behave and to make sense to me. But I also don't think my job is to fit my feelings into a boxed-in idea of motherhood. All of that is feminism to me, and my feminism is inclusive of culture and color and confident autonomy. In my feminism, all people, including children and their mamas, get to explore and express themselves freely. In my feminism, perspectives and personalities are not confined to boxes. As long as we're not compromising anyone else's safety, all of our aspects get room to roam. That was originally published on ravishly.com on July 20th of 2016. Shout out to Jamie, a.k.a. Serotonin, whose beat is playing in the background. You'll hear one of her dope beats on almost every episode. I'm going to tag her um, in this episode, episode 77 on Instagram to make sure you can link up with her. <laughs> so if you're not connected on Instagram, make sure that you are. We are at Fair of the Free Child. And that's F-A-R-E, Fair of the Free Child on Instagram. While I'm in shout out mode, shout out to Pharaoh, Monique's son, (laughs) who made and sold his super delicious beignets at Clarkston Culture Fest this year and represented Heartwood ALC raising funds for the school van. Listen, as you'll hear on Monique's upcoming series, Surviving Survival Mode, I can't wait for y'all to get into that. You'll hear a lot about Pharaoh and about how his liberation walk has looked like leaving public school and going over to a self-directed environment where he's getting to do all things cooking from researching and watching to actual cooking to being a part of the Clarkston Culture Fest and making and selling his beignets which is so good. And his mama did such a good job not having any of those beignets (laughs) while she was doing her 31-day, or I think it was 30-day raw vegan feast. She'll tell you all about that. But shout out to Pharaoh. We are so happy for you. And it was just wonderful to know I wasn't a part of the festival. I didn't get to go out there, but I was following along online and talking to your mama. And I'm so very proud of you. (laughs) 
And just an update on the Raising Free People Network goings on. You know, we have the podcast series coming up and we decided to do them as takeover episodes. So you'll hear them right here on Fear of the Free Child podcast. Those episodes will be takeovers. (laughs) So you won't have to go somewhere else to find them. And the first one is most likely going to be Monique's series, Surviving Survival Mode. Each of her episodes you'll be able to hear here on this podcast, but we'll also have it available as its own separate, fully packaged piece of awesome sauce. (laughs) That one's coming up. Moji series, The Wellness Spiral is coming up. Daritzia in Puerto Rico, her series is coming up. (sighs) Just doing the work, doing the work, feeling good about it. And also appreciating your support on Patreon. Listen, on Patreon, your support helps me to build out this small team. Ty is now on board. I'm going to talk about Ty probably next week. <laughs> um, Moji is on board helping out with writing, which is kind of awesome. Oh, my gosh, because she so gets it. <laughs> and so much more to come. But your support on Patreon really helps us to create space for more stories of this raising free people work, you know, how different black folks are doing it, how different brown folks are doing it, what language and practices we're using to support ourselves in that work and to create community around liberation focused living. So if you're not on Patreon yet with us in that community, consider resolving that error (laughs) by going to patreon.com forward slash Akila and shout out to Fair the Free Child's newest patron, Jens. What up, Jens? Welcome to the village. What's particularly dope about Jens is that he's always recommending folks that I should be interviewing on the podcast. And speaking of which, Jens connects with me through uh, we're a part of the same Slack group. But you can use the voice memo option on my website, AkilaSRichards.com, or you can email me at she at AkilaSRichards.com if you have a guest recommendation. Free Child is a weekly podcast that centers diverse narratives, insightful commentary, learning with our children and de-schooling ourselves, owning our multiple identities and treating children with dignity, creating community and sharing conversation from often silenced spaces, breathing life into liberation practices proactively and on purpose. Thanks for listening to Fair the Free Child podcast. Like the show? Then show your love or give your feedback at AkilaSRichards.com.